I guess I have a, if I can interrupt a question, yeah, of course. How, how could it be, how could it be any different if we, when we're studying, for example, from year 10 to we go into year 11, year 12, and we're basically putting all our energy in getting the highest mark possible. And that's a metric to then use to go into university. Exactly. So that's your core focus exactly. in year 11 and 12. So you're pretty much not brainwashed, but like, that's what you're working what towards. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you then pursue that degree? Because sunk cost is one of the most powerful human psychological forces. Like I won't, I won't change because I've put all this energy into this. Like, no, we're all going to the movies tonight, even though no one wants to, because I already paid $60 for tickets. <laughs> Even yeah. though no one wants to. These are very real situations that happen. Sunk cost is one of the most powerful human behaviors. And the more and more I think about it, and I don't want to just keep sounding more and more radical for the sake of it, but the more I look at it, it's very like almost criminal. Or if not criminal, incredibly unkind to young impressionable people. Because you just symbolize, you create a culture. It's very hard for a young person to see beyond a culture. And the ones I find that do... The reason why they can see beyond a culture is because normally they've gone through something terrible in their life that forces them to be more introspective, having to move away, parental divorce, trauma, bullying. Those are the only things I I see that people who in their late teens and early twenties are very open-minded. It's it's very, it's, it's, um, Again, it comes back to fighting against the grain. Like I just had a thought when I was, when I was studying, I put so much energy into trying to get as good as possible on those particular subjects. But when I introduced a few episodes ago, the amount of thought that went into what I was actually going to do at university, it was pretty much summed up in 30 seconds. Exactly. And the beautiful the thing I've noticed, for example, if I can relate that to business, to, you know, the, the serial business failure that I am, the one of the things I have learned is that it's hard to focus on small level, say micro tasks, right? And the big picture at the same time. This is why Bill Gates and Yuval Noah Harari and what's the Twitter guys now, Jack Dorsey, why people like that, they take, they have days in their calendar for no time so they can just think. Yeah. They're not responding to emails and they don't, Warren Buffett, you know, that famous video, he keeps his calendar free. Mm. It's not like the super high end of the business world have the fullest calendars. They're actually doing the opposite. They're saying no to keep it free so they can think because it's hard to do that when you've got to prepare a presentation for next week and you're worried about the color of slides and whether you're going to have this done on time. And so a big part of our education system is littering people with distractions so they can't think more broadly about their life. Because exams and deadlines and assignment due dates and everything like that, there is always a deadline coming. And an externally imposed deadline and limit always constrains and narrows your focus towards that deadline. Right, it makes it hard for you to care about anything else, and so much of that is this hamster wheel of distraction. Mm, sometimes the whole it's... the whole thing is just reinforcing itself. And this is what I mean by it's very monopolistic. The whole thing, whether designed by accident or intentionally this way, is just trying to bring people more and more into the experience, into the bubble, into the bubble, into the bubble, and it should not be like that. It would be better for universities and colleges if they weren't like that, especially in the long run. But it's the nature of like, if you zoom out, it's the nature of how things rise and fall, whether it's technology, whether it's countries, and whether it's social systems. 
they all go through like similar kinds of patterns, which is very interesting. It's like once it becomes really, you know, it becomes a bubble, it starts to live in this world that's a different world. And that's when you're saying the whole gearing everything towards the marks. So to fix university, you have to fix high school. And this is why, you know, I always keep saying we need a without the box solution. There's not going to be some policy that fixes school. School's eventually just going to like have a mass ex gradual exodus. So will university. They'll keep existing, but less and less people will go there. It's what's happening in churches right now. Churches are not going to disappear, but there's less and less people finding meaning in the conventional ways with the same language and the same kind of concepts. It's not that those are disappearing, but they're evolving. But when the structure, the institution doesn't evolve as well, it gets left behind and evolution continues. So it's very fascinating. It is. Do you know of any programs, obviously, outside of the constant student where, where people focus on, say you have year 12 students and they're focusing on thinking a little bit broader outside of, there are, do you yeah, know of anything? Yeah, there's, there's for, for, for high school age and younger, is that what you're asking? Yeah, just before you start gearing up to study, yeah, study intensely. The problem is there's lots, there's homeschooling programs. I know one girl who's homeschooled in Canada, the program, which she said was, was great, sounded, it was all project-based. There's a startup called Pragma in the, in uh, the States, which, uh, you know, founded by, you know, these serial entrepreneurs, this couple, they were interviewed by my friends, Lewis and Kyle, on the Lewis and Kyle show. But uh, the, the problem those things run into, and they, they're killing it. They're really great innovations. They run into the problem, then eventually they still got to qualify people for university. Or they still got to like tick the box of being recognized by the government as a education provider. Interesting. So eventually they have to gear back. So the girl who was homeschooled in Canada, my friend said, but it was best up until year nine, but then from year 10 onwards, year 10, 11, 12, they had to start catering it in more. And that's when all the play and the project-based stuff stopped. And we'll probably talk about Summer, Summer Hill, this progressive school in the UK, which there's a movie about how it was, you know, it's really progressive, like kids form a council, make decisions about punishment, and everything together. You decide whether you want to go to class or not. There's zero enforcement, but it went through like a legal battle to preserve its status as a school because that has implications for funding and stuff like that. This is why I come back to it needs to be without the box the solution. So if you look at what we started with the constant student, completely independent, completely private business model. It's also why we started with the post-education space. Sorry, post-high school space, not the pre-high school. Because the pre-high school, you still, your parents are making those decisions. They're paying for it. They're the ones who still feel anxious. Uh, if there's no university, doesn't cater towards their child going to get their insurance policy at university. That's a good point. The parents yeah, so, have such an influence in that stage as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's why we've concentrated on the part that comes after. Because then, and there are other, constitutions not the only thing. In the, there's so much in the post-high uh, school space, right? Like lifelong, you know, Akimbo, right? Seth Godin founded Akimbo, co-founded Akimbo. They do, their, their main demographic is 30, 35-year-old, 40-year-olds, right? We'll talk about the Teal Fellowship in a couple of episodes. But... Those things are, you know, like you can be educated at any age. It's not just 20-year-olds 20, 20 and teens. But I think as those solutions grow for the post-high school space, then you can, if they lead you on a good trajectory in life, 
right? We help you set up a business, a project, and we have a network of people who actually make that viable and work. For example, right? If you've got um, 10 podcasters in Constant Student, someone who comes in tomorrow wanting to start a podcast, they've got a whole network of people they can leverage to find guests, better interview skills, right? Get exposure to their podcasts, for example. If it's an entrepreneurial ecosystem, a startup, you've got contacts in the space, all that. Then you can have people come in the bottom from a younger age because you've, got, you've already got that structure. You've already got somewhere for them to land, you know, but you can create an amazing like school. And it, I don't know if it was me, it would look anything like school once we get to that point because it would just be like, you know, I know people who start learning how to code and try to start businesses at the age of 11 and 12. It'd just be moving that back further. It wouldn't be trying to qualify them for something in 10 years. Mm. You know, and that's, that's where that's constant student has a part to play in that future to be determined, but that's what it will, because it makes too much sense not to. That's what the solution will look like. Yeah. I, don't, I guess I don't want to deviate too far from where we are, but I have one more follow-up question, yeah, that's if all right. that's all right. Yeah. Um, I'll make this a separate episode because it's very Okay. Cool. All right. So given, given that we're dealing with large institutions that are very set in their ways and very difficult to change, someone going into university, what kind of tools would you give them to make a more informed decision as to what to study or whether or not to avoid that altogether in terms of exploring their interest or what do you think about that? It comes down to the individual. For example, I have, I have one friend, right? Her dream is to be an aeronautical um, aerospace engineer, right? So go to university, which is what she's doing. And that's mm. good. She should be there. And the degree, the university, pick your university, like not all universities are created equal is the first point. So there are shit ones and there are good ones. Yeah, yeah, of course. For example, like especially some of the really prestigious ones can be the worst because they, they, they just get students and they don't really have the hurt or need to innovate and upgrade. Yeah. The younger ones often are doing the best quality experience, best mm. learning outcomes. So like it's hyper-specific to the pathway they're on. But my, my thing to anyone, including people my age, is you don't need to get married to something. All right. Don't don't be determined to complete it at any cost. That can be hard because a lot of people have that try to make the most of things. So As in the to... non-finish the what does Tim Ferriss call it? The art of non-finishing. Are you talking about stopping like if it's not halfway working, through, if it's not what you want to working, do? Have the don't be on some conveyor belt. Sure. You know, take a break. You don't have to be as dramatic as to stop. Use the whole bucket principle, episodes 56, I think, in the podcast, right? The bucket. That's that's like the key. You know, we did that episode, I think it was 177 or 78 around like I did. Sorry, I did that solo, but six reasons to and not to go to no university, right? What are the good things? What are some of the general bad things? And then I think it's a lot of the things we just we talk about on the podcast, like interest mapping. Like, what are you really mm. interested in? And where are those interests kind of bundled together? All right. You can't, you can't do one job that incorporates whatever, watching um, soccer and philosophy and, you know, future of education necessarily, right? But, you know, where is, where, what is like, how can you align work with a bundle of your interests? Because if you're interested in multiple things, that's just the reality of who you are. 
You don't need to box that up just because that's the world you're presented with. I won't accept that. I've only got one life. Are you kidding? And then I think just the, the education around actual opportunity, what that looks like is listening to podcasts. I mean, I don't want to keep circling back to constant student. It's something we try to do, right? It's like, all right, what are the things you can do to monetize yourself and stuff like that? But all right, I try and think a bit beyond that. It's, it's like looking at, just look at the entrepreneurial world. Doesn't mean you have to be an entrepreneur, but they're going to have the innovative new business models and the different ways you can monetize stuff. That's where you're going to learn about what's happening in these throwing a big couple of big words there, but crypto and Web3 and NFTs, right? There's, an, there's not a person younger than, th- well, anyone really, but there's not a young person who shouldn't know what those three words mean. You know, if you don't, and then there's Luke grimacing, but this is how hard it is. I don't. This is how hard it is. Oh, it's just, it's just going to be, you might not even yeah, yeah. get presented to you as something else, as a product that you interact with that just incorporates those concepts. But it's just like the ways you're going to be able to, you're going to have very different ways of organizing companies, projects, supporting people financially, more ways to make an income. Like it is just so, I mean, we're, we're, it looks like we're going to start a newsletter soon called Monetizing Your Mission, uh, like a, ten, a, a free 10-day course, like an email course on that, just, just to try and, and give people that. But it, it is hard to find. Mm. It's, yeah, it's not presented to you. It's not, you're not going to find it anywhere, anywhere at university. Nowhere. There's not even a university course that helps you learn about the rest of university. When I was in psychology, it was his psychology. It's not designed to help you figure out your interests. It's not, even though you can hop between degrees, it's not actually designed to help you do that. It's just something yeah. you can do there. Yeah, I guess the, the original question came from when I was referring, when I was thinking back to my, that stamp in time where I was in year 12 or year 11 and I was deciding what to do, like what tools could I have had at that point? The only Mm -hmm. thing personally I can think of is if I had a reading habit, for example, and I was listening to different things and that, that to me is the only way that I could have, or if I had some form of awareness around what I was interested in. Well, here's my answer in, in one line to conclude. Find rabbit holes and go down. Find something you're interested in and just don't be afraid to keep pulling the thread and seeing where it ends. And that's, that's my answer really in one line because you'll, you'll find it if you keep pulling. The internet's an incredible place. Absolutely. Or you, I, I don't know, like bias aside, it's the, it's the purpose of constant student. So if you're listening to this, this is, you can check it out with having to uh, invest up front. There's ways of checking it out and getting free value. <laughs> so, Is there a link I can put in my own description and get a kickback joe <laughs> yeah well uh, soon <laughs> anyway yeah very interesting very interesting stuff no. well um yeah that, we'll call that that for today and then we'll be back tomorrow with more um peter till